0: Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop, and I am the administrative pastor here at Church in the Valley. Our senior pastor, Randy Lanthrop, happens to be my father, is in Germany right now. And so I'll be speaking the, the next three weeks while, while he's gone. Over the last several weeks, we have been going through a journey, a journey through Ecclesiastes. We've been taking a, a look at, at what Ecclesiastes has to say uh, about life and and the myths that we commonly tend to live for. If this is your your first week joining us, um, this message is is the wrap up message, but it should still make sense to you. But if maybe you, you hear something that 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 you want to learn more about or or listen more about, you can take a look on our website. We have all the messages there for you, um, if you'd like to to listen more and hear about more about this Suburban Myths series. Um, in, in this series, we've called it uh, Suburban Myths because we're taking a, a look at some of the myths that, that people live for, and then um, we're, we're dissecting them to, to show that what they really end up in, with is not what they're looking for. People live for these myths in search of happiness, fulfillment, um, security. But then once, once they pursue these myths, they, they find out that that's not really what comes from, from living for these things. So as we've talked about <clears throat> Ecclesiastes, we've talked about the author. King, king Solomon was the author of, of Ecclesiastes. He was the third king of Israel. He had unimaginable wealth. He had a ton of power. Um, he was a king. And then he also had wisdom. That people would travel from all over to come and hear him speak and, and talk. And in this book, we, we've been taking a. And in this book, Solomon has been taking. He's at the end of his life, and he's taking a look back on his life, and he's examining it. He's trying to figure out: Is what I lived for was that really worth it? Is what I what I have spent my life's work on has has that been been good? Have I done the right things or, or not? And he's he's in this really reflective place, and so as we read, you'll you'll hear you'll hear just this reflective tone as he's thinking back on his life. Have you ever hit a, a point in your life where you know you're thinking back, you're, you're reflecting on on you know is what I'm living for? Is that really what life's about? One of those points I've had a few of those points in my life. One of those those times was when I was a junior in high school. Um, I, I had um, I had to have back surgery when I was a, a junior in high school. And up until that point, I grew up, I, I played a lot of baseball. Um, from the time I was 13 to 16, probably about 80 games a, a year I would play, a lot of practices, um, spent a lot of time doing that. And when I had, one of my goals for spending all that time was I wanted to play baseball in college. I wanted to, that that was my ticket to college, was I was going to get a scholarship and and, and make that happen. And when I had that back surgery, it, it changed that for me. It changed that goal because now it looked like that goal was, was unattainable. And it, it made me think about all this time I was spending on, on baseball and just how I was spending my life. It made me think, is, is, is that really worth it? Was that just a waste? All those, the games, the practices, the travel to, to do all that? Was, was that a waste? We all hit times like that in our life where, where we're reflecting back. Maybe you had an injury or, or an illness that, that's caused you to you know think back on your life or <clears throat> maybe dealing with, with the death of a, a loved one um, has caused you to reflect and, and think back or, or maybe some you've had some sort of a, just a status change that, that's made you reflect and, and think back on, on what you're spending your time on. And you, you get the sense that Solomon is he's looking deep into his life. He's he's examining how he spent his time. And and you get that from the very outset of Ecclesiastes. Right after he introduces himself, Solomon says <clears throat> says this in Ecclesiastes one two. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Not exactly the, the most uplifting verse as, as you're reflecting on your life and you're thinking back. You know, vanity," which literally means like a wisp or, or air or vapor," he, he, he uses this phrase, "All his vanity," 37 times in Ecclesiastes. And, and you, what, what he's talking about here is really, we're here, we have our experiences, we live our lives, and then we're gone. It, it's a short amount of time. That's what he's talking about here. And as we're wrapping up this series, we're, <clears throat> we're going back to the place that we started. We started out this message series with, with one called, What's the Point? What, what, what's the point? What's the point of life? What are we, we living our life for? And we're going to take a look back at that as, as Solomon wraps up Ecclesiastes and, and he, he sums it up for us. In perfect Solomon fashion, he takes us right to something that we don't really want to talk about, we don't want to think about that often. And, and what that is, is, is death. Solomon takes us to death. He, says the, he concludes that the reality of death brings life into its proper perspective. Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 6 says, A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. Now at this point you're thinking, you know, wow, it's pretty heavy. Solomon, you just want to give him a hug and say, you know, it's going to be okay, buddy. You're going to be all right. He's talking about going to the house of mourning than feasting. I don't know about you. I like a good meal rather than the house of, of mourning. But you you got to let's stick with Solomon. Let, let's see what, he, what he's really saying. So he's saying it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of, of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Now mirth there, I, I looked it up, I didn't know what it meant. It means glee. Um, mirth is, is glee. So uh, he's saying that you know, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of, of glee, of, of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of, of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of, of the fools. This also is vanity. Now, from the, these verses, we, we get the impression that, that Solomon is telling us to, to choose to go to a funeral over a birthday party. But that, that's not really what, what he's saying, because this is the same guy who wrote Proverbs 15, 13, which says, A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is crushed. So, which is it? Is Solomon telling us to choose sorrow over, over mirth, or... Is he contradicting himself and telling us to live for sorrow in Ecclesiastes and then happiness in Proverbs? But as, as you take a look into these verses, you realize that's not really what, what he's saying. What, he's not telling us to choose a funeral over, over a birthday party, but what he's telling us is the importance of living a balanced life. And he's using the contra- the, And he's using contrasting birth and death to show us that death is the great myth buster. Death and sorrow, they, they bring life into perspective. How, how does it do that? It brings it into perspective because it shows us that, that life is short. We, we don't know how long we have. And it shows us that we don't have control. We can't take anything with us. Um, when, when we die, we, we don't get to choose when our life is done. We, we don't get to pick the most opportune time or, or schedule it out. Death reminds us that our life here is short, is short and we need to, to make the most of it. However, making the most of life can, can lead in different directions. There, there's a popular phrase, YOLO. In pop culture today, at least I think it's still popular. I don't know. I have a three and a half year old, and a two year old, and a five month old. I've kind of lost touch with culture, but I know at some point this has been a popular phrase. And YOLO, it stands for "You Only Live Once," and and people use that today to to do stupid things, or or to to do things that. You wouldn't normally do, but you know what? Hey, I, you only live once, so I'm, I'm going to go and, and jump off this cliff into this rocky water that has a landing spot that's really small. That, that, that kind of life is what Solomon lived. As you read Ecclesiastes, you, you look at it and you see he lived the YOLO life. He had the power. He had the money. He had the stuff. He had as many women as he wanted. He had experiences, any experience he wanted, any vacation he wanted to go on. He could do whatever he wanted. He lived this life, and he tried it out. And he's looking back on his life now, and he's realizing that YOLO, that that wasn't really all that it was cracked up to be. That that wasn't what I thought it was going to be about. Because death reminds us that we're not in control, but we can trust the God who is. Solomon uses death as the ultimate reality check to nail this point. Death is the great myth buster because it brings a finality and proves that no matter how hard we pursue these myths and no matter how much control we, we try to exert on our lives, we... No one, no one can escape death. It happens to us all. We don't know when, when death is going to come. And, and therefore, we have little to say on what our, our future might look like. So throughout this series, we, we've been looking again and again at, at all the things that, that Solomon has been saying. And, and these myths, they, they represent not just ideas, um, ideas that, that we all tend to believe, but they're really they're forces that direct us in how we live our lives. And so let, let's take a look back at, at these myths and let's, let's review them in, in light of, of what Solomon is is saying about about death here. Because these myths try to give us fulfillment. They try to give us happiness. They try to give us purpose. They try to give us meaning and security, but they can't. So let's let's take a look back. Myth number 1, there's an answer to every problem. If you go after this myth, you 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 think that we can just ex- solve every problem like we did in math class. Just follow the logic, get to get to the answer and and check off my box and and move on. We think that the facts they 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 straight they straighten everything out for us and we we can just follow the facts to where they lead. But the problem with this myth is we all hit limits on our knowledge. We hit limits on our mental capacity, what, what we can know, what what our brains are, are wired to know. And we, we can't know everything. It's impossible. And so this myth is really rooted in, in trying to control the unknown. We want to control the unknown factors by trying to know everything. And when we, when we don't have all the answers... We have to choose to find strength in God. That is what faith is. We can't control the unknown. And so once we hit those limits on our mental capacity or on the facts that are out there, we have to choose to trust God. Myth number two, doing what I want will make me happy. The YOLO life. This is, I'm convinced this is the anthem of every, every toddler. Doing what I want will make me happy. In this myth, our, our desires are the, the motor that motivates us um, to, to do what we do and to say what we say. The myth is rooted, rooted in trying to control fulfillment. We, we want to control how we're fulfilled, how, how we experience life. The, the key um, to a life of meaning is, is not to just pursue whatever we want, but to choose the, the right desires and to say no to the wrong desires. And God gives us the help that, that we need to, sat, to satisfaction by saying yes to the right desires. So when when I fear God and I keep his commands, I realize that putting my needs in front of others doesn't lead to a life of happiness in the long run. Myth number three, my work is my most valuable pursuit. So we we tend to to view work as either our our focus or our our foe, um, but this this myth and and that making making work our most valuable pursuit is rooted in trying to control my value. I want to control my worth by proving that I can do I can do it. I can be the best at, at my work. God places a high value on work and and doing well and and being diligent, and it's important to Him. But he he brings meaning to our work as we're pleasing him and choosing to to do it to please him. And it's not the end goal or not making our work our end end goal. Myth number four, money and power will give me the life that I want. When I power up on, on people, I might get what I want, but... It's not really what I need. And, and this myth, money and power, is really rooted in trying to control my empire, trying to control all my, my things, all, all my, the people that are around me. I'm, I'm trying to um, have the power and money that I need so I can do, do what I want. But only God can really give us what we need. We, we can't find that by pursuing this myth. And then myth number five, religion gives my life meaning. It it makes sense to us as humans to to try and and find meaning from religion, um, to try and find it from the religious habits as we use them um, to try and make a better version of ourselves. But this myth is really rooted in trying to control my purpose, trying to control my purpose for life. And and religion, it's not going to fill the void that only God can fill. Um, and, and so doing the religious activities and, and habits, it's not going to take us where ultimately we, we want to go. When we trust God with, with our life and the outcome, um, and if, if we believe in God, then we believe that he is who he says he is, that, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Um, and ultimately, we, we, we trust that he's in control of my life of of the of me. He's in control of me, my life and the, the world around around me. So so death brings things into proper perspective. You know, it reminds us that our our life is is short. It reminds us that we're not in control of everything. Um, but but so that's all that's all great, but what are we supposed to live for? You know, it brings it in perspective, but, but what are we supposed to use our time for? Life is short. What are we supposed to aim, aim towards? And Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 gives us the perspective to live by. It says the only right focus is to fear God and obey him. That's the summary of it. But here's the actual verse. The end of the matter is, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment. With every secret thing, whether good or evil. <clears throat> so that's it. You know, Solomon. He, he's he's concluding. He's lived his life. He, he's he's tried tried all these things out, and, and he's saying, "Fear God and obey Him." Now, keeping God's commandments. What what that looks like? What what he's talking about there is that we're we're keeping watch over. We're guarding what the Bible says, and and we're doing it. Um. Many things are going to attract our attention and our energy, but our duty on, on earth is, is really to set our lives to focus on fearing God and obeying Him. That's what Solomon is saying here. Last week we, we talked about listening to God, um, and Solomon is, is, is taking this a step further. He's saying, don't just listen to God, but act. Act on it. Do what He says. Solomon, in, in another verse, um, another passage that, that he wrote in Proverbs, Proverbs 1-7, said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so actually fearing God is, is really what opens life up to us. Fearing him, doing, taking him seriously enough to do what he says, that's what opens life up to us. Imagine you're you're digging a tunnel through through a mountainside, and and you're digging. It's 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 dark in there, and and you're digging and digging and digging, and as you keep going, your, your flashlight it's getting dimmer, it's starting to go out. The air oxygen supply is starting to run out, and just when you're about to give up, you see some light. You you know that that's where. The, the oxygen that you need is waiting for you. You, you. you can see again. This is what fear of the Lord is. In, in that verse, Proverbs 1-7, the, the word beginning there literally means the breakthrough point. And so when when we choose to begin a relationship with God by, by fearing him, that's the breakthrough point. Life, we, we start to get our bearings on life, and, and we're, we're able to, to see what life's about. And, and what we're supposed to live for, what we were meant to, to live for. The fear of the Lord, it, it protects us, and it prevents us from, from living for the myths that we're, we're drawn to so easily. We can live for these myths with, without even really realizing it. Um, it it's just kind of natural. The The media, our culture, it points us to live towards the advertising. It points us to to try and buy the latest and greatest thing. So we can do this so easily, so naturally. But fear of the Lord, it causes us to choose different things to live for. It causes us to choose a different thing. It gives us a different response to the media, the culture's influence on our lives. Fear of the Lord, it's the only right response to death. And death reminds us um, to to give our life to the things that that are going to last for eternity. And those things are really God and people. Fear of the Lord leads us to love God and to love people. At the end of of Proverbs 1-7, it says, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We have a choice. We, we can choose to, to listen to, to Solomon and what he's saying in Ecclesiastes. We can choose to, to heed, to, to, to take what he's saying. He's at the end of his life. He's looking back. That's a different perspective than, than I have on my life right now. Um, that's a perspective you, you only get once to look back, evaluate your life. And so we have the opportunity. We can choose to accept his instruction, what he's saying, and, and apply it to our lives. Or we, we can be like the, the fools and despise wisdom and instruction. But that, that's, I, I don't really like to be called a, a fool. I don't want to despise wisdom and instruction. And so we, we can choose to really um, listen to what, what Solomon is, is saying here. And he's warning us to to not live after the pursuit of knowledge, not live after the pursuit of happiness um, by doing whatever's gonna make us happy, to not live for our work and making that the, the end goal, to, to not try to find security by building up my empire with power and, and money, not trying to use religion to, to give meaning to my life. He's warning us against those things. He's telling us to choose to, to fear God and to obey him. Now, fear God and, and, and obey him, it's, it's pretty broad. You know, so like, what does, that, what does that mean? Fear God and obey him. It sounds really great, but what does that mean practically? Practically, what that really means is, is getting into the Bible, reading it, finding out what it says, and, and applying it. That's going to lead us to love God and love people. For, for me, I have a lot of, uh, we all have a lot of opportunities to choose either to live for these myths or to choose to fear God each day. Um, one thing as as you dig into the Bible um, that that it talks about is to put the goals of, of others above your own. Um, it, it talks about this in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. And for me, this is something that, that I struggle with. You know, I kind of think, i got my own stuff I need to get done. i got my own problems that I need to worry about. Um, and I, I, just, I struggle with this. And I have a lot of opportunities every day to choose to either do what I want or to choose to, to fear God and put the needs of others above my own. One way that, that this, uh, this happens to me a lot is at home. I, like I said, I have a three and a half year old, two year old, and a, a five month old. And my my kids, when I get home, they want to play. You know, they don't care that I've I've worked all day, and uh, and and been working, and I'm I'm tired. I just want to sit down and, and veg. They they want to play, and they they want to play after work tickles. That's that's our game, which is an interesting name because it doesn't involve tickling. Um, it started out as tickling and then my my oldest son Blake is very uh very uh directive and he decided that after work tickles is really chase but we still call it after work tickles so I chase them around I'm the monster they tackle me um, they were killing me but we I I decided I didn't really want them to kill me so you know now they just knock me out so which still isn't the greatest but you know it's it's fun. So they want to. That's what they want to do. And so I have opportunity when I get home. I can choose to just pursue my myth of fulfillment and happiness by just sitting on the couch, and and resting and relaxing. Or I can put their their goals, their needs, and interests of, above my own and, and play with them. And actually, it's a, it's a double win because I'm also putting the the needs and goals of my wife of, above my own by playing with them and giving her a little break from uh, time with the kids. But as we look at these, these myths, you know, we, we have opportunities all the time to choose. Are we going to choose to follow God, fear him and obey him, or are we going to choose to pursue these myths? And pursuing these myths just happens. We, we don't even mean for it to happen. Um, it, it just kind of does. And so we, we need to take the time to really reflect and, and look at our lives and figure out, what, what am I spending my time on? What am I investing in? What, what, what am I living for? Last week, um, Matt, Matt Sprinkle spoke to us. And, and he, talked, um, uh, uh, he talked about hearing from God. But Matt is a, he's a, a school teacher. And uh, he's a history teacher. And each year he has his students do something. He has them write their own obituary. And what, what he's doing is he's trying to get them to think beyond just, just here and now. And he's trying to get them to think, what do you want people to say about you when you die? What, what do you want your life to have? What do you want to have lived your life for? By the time you get to the end, what, what do you want people to, to, to say about you? Solomon has given us our obituary to live for he he has said for us to to love god and love people he he's given us our obituary he he's saying you know may, let your obituary say this he, here's a man who who set his life to fear god and obey him he loved god he loved people he loved god by reading the bible by doing what it what it said he he loved god by loving people he he loved people by serving them by um, doing things for, for people that, that they didn't even know about. That is what Solomon is telling us to live our life for. Don't, don't live it for money, for knowledge, for religion. Don't live it for these myths. But live it to fear him and obey him. I'd like to, to wrap up the message today by, by giving you a couple next steps to, to think through. Um, you, you can take out that connection card that, that, you, that Ryan mentioned earlier. Um, in a moment, we're going to um, pass the, the offering baskets around, and you can drop the card in that. Go ahead and fill out any information that, that you might need to, um, to, to fill out today to finish up. Um, and, and take a look. On the back, there's some next steps that, that you might want to consider after hearing the message today. One is memorize Ecclesiastes 12:13. The end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That, that's the purpose that, that God wants us to, to live for, to, to live by. So maybe that's something that you want to do is, is memorize that this week. Another next step is I identify the myth that I struggle with and ask God for help. You know, maybe there's one myth that it's kind of your go-to myth that, that you live for. Um, identify that and, and ask God to, to help you to, to pull out of living for that myth. And then there's just a blank line there. You know, what, maybe there's just something you heard this morning that, that God has spoken to you about that, that you want to put in there and and, um, and make that your next step today. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you that you are God and we thank you for um, pointing us to the things that really matter. And uh, we thank you for the the verses in Ecclesiastes that, that do that, that show us that our, our life is short, short. We need to make the most of it and, and make it count. And I just pray that you would help us to do that this week. Show us ways that that we need to take next steps so that we can make our lives count for you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.